We Got the Geek is recorded before a live studio audience. 25 years ago, you played a concert in front of the entire world. One month ago, you played in Barso, California for 40 people, most of whom were there for $2 taco night. Bill and Ted, what have you got to say for yourselves? Be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes. You were supposed to unite the world and save reality as we know it. Bill, we've spent our whole life trying to write the song that will unite the world. Why can't we just go to the future when we have written it? Whoa. Take it from ourselves. But isn't that stealing? How is that stealing? If we're stealing it from ourselves, dude. All right, everybody. Uh, it's Jay Stu. Um, super happy to be here um, to go over our top ten movie list from 2020. And super excited to have with me once again is uh, our great friend, uh, our very own Jimmy Olsen. Also think he's the number one fan of ours on Facebook. Uh, Mr. Hunter is here. Hello. <laughs> and of course, our, our lovely friend who I know from the old day job days, uh, his wonderful wife, Kristen. Hello. Hello. So. How are you, sir? I'm good. And I was thinking back to last year before COVID was even on our radar. I think it was yeah. the night we recorded the crisis review at your place. Yes. We, we had looked at a list of the movies that were supposed to come out in 2020. And I remember we both were not impressed with anything on that list. That, that was correct. And that was before a lot of these movies didn't even come out. Yeah, little did we know 2020 would go, well, fine, I don't even want you to see these movies. <laughs> yeah. So it was an interesting task this year, to say the least. Netflix was my savior. Yeah, uh, like you were saying, off off the recording, Netflix and uh, direct-to-DVD movies and anything I could stream and documentaries. Oh, my daughter recorded on her tablet. <laughs> made it to the top ten. Nice. <laughs> yeah, anything was fair game just because of the lack of movies that were out. And this is the first time since I was five years old that I didn't see a movie in the theater during the year. I was going to say, yeah, I don't think I saw... A single movie in the theater. That's crazy. Yeah, our last time was uh, December of 2019 uh, when Star Wars was out. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, yeah, oh my God. Yeah. That's terrible. Could you imagine? Oh, God. Could you imagine if you have to tell your great, like, your great grandkids that uh, The Rise of Skywalker was the last movie you ever saw in a movie theater? Yeah. That would be weird. But, well, I mean, we've got, like, AMC and all that going bankrupt, so... Yeah, so, like, who knows when movie theaters will be even open again. Like, I don't think by the by the end of this year, anyhow. I could see them being reopened by the end of the year. Well, yeah, I guess they were open last year, kind of, showing old movies and stuff. Yeah. It's, um... Like, yeah, they were open in between the two lockdowns. Yeah, because Empire Strikes Back um, was number no one. There were no new movies coming out, really. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. Well, that's weird. It is weird. And a little sad. Yeah, it's, it's sort of... It's sort of, yeah, it's kind of weird. It was one of those, like, a bunch of the movies also came out on streaming services. Yep. Like, you could pay to stream them at home. Yeah. And, unfortunately, a number of these movies, like, normally, I will just go to the movies by myself. I'll go to, like, the 10 o'clock show on a Tuesday night, so I'll pay, like, 10 bucks. Right. To go see the movie, because I won't see them in 3D or anything like that. Like, I'm cheap. Oh, (laughs) me too, me too. And then they're like, hey, stream this from home for $35. And I'm like, no. That's like three times as much as I would pay <laughs> by myself. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, uh, and I was also saying to you that, uh, as a spoiler, this is the first time since we ever did this list on the old show and the new show. That number one for me is not uh, either a Star Wars movie or a superhero movie. Yeah, what a time we live in. Someone's going to be mad at me, but my number one isn't even a movie. Okay. Well, I can't <laughs> wait then. controversy. Well, if we're letting Netflix in here, I just rearranged my, like, side list of Netflix that I watched to fit in with my actual list, so... <laughs> you know what? I will allow that because... I think, Hunter, yeah, you were there the night we recorded the list at the Geekery. Um, Balmer changed his number one, like, two seconds before he said his number one. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, he also showed up 45 minutes late, so we yeah. can't really expect him to do anything on time. With his top 40, I mean top 10. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a five-way uh, yeah. tie. Yeah. <laughs> it was five minutes of this movie... <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez! Oh All right. man. Well, I'm really curious now. So, um, I, as always, we'll go backwards from ten to one. Sure. And uh, I'm going to get you to go first, sir. You're going to get me to go first. Yeah. Okay. Um, number ten, then I'm going to pull in with uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music. All right. It was. I mean, I like time travel stories. So, Same. Seeing, seeing, like, Keanu Reeves and, and uh, that, like, doing, like, the old prison, uh, like, <laughs> bodybuilders or, um, like, all the different versions of themselves that they had. Um, like, I consider the ending of Bogus Journey to be pretty definitive. Me too. Like, they tried to make it very clear with, like, all the newspaper headlines over... Uh, God gave rock and roll to you that this was their path. They had done it. Yeah. They unfortunately took that away from them. And it was kind of a little depressing. And I think I was like five minutes into the movie where I went, oh, crap, it's going to be their daughters, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And and it was. <laughs> uh, the, I'm sorry if I ruined it. The, uh, you know what? The premise of the movie is hilarious to me, that they have to write a song to save the universe, and now they're old and they still haven't done it. Yeah, I enjoy the premise. I lo- and I love the idea of, well, why don't we just go steal it from ourselves in the future? Exactly. That is very, like, nerds watching a time travel movie solution. Like, yes. oh, they have time travel. Why don't they just go to the future when they've already written it? Like, what did try to steal from April? Oh, well, Red also made me mad. I will say that. 
still here busy breaking into his house. Or they didn't even have him come back at all at the end. Not even in the end sequence where everyone's playing music. It's like, that's a bad use of Dave Grohl. Yeah. He, like, even, he even drummed in the Muppets. I was going to say, the Muppets used Dave Grohl better than a <laughs> music movie. <laughs> yeah. Also, and I know this is like being like sci-fi nitpicky, but so they bring um, Keanu Reeves' dad back from hell. Yeah. Except it's the version of him from five years in the future. That's right. Right? Yeah. Like, so there's now, what, two of, like, Ted's dad? I never thought of that. It's so messed up. Like, that was the only, it was bugging me. <laughs> wow, yeah, I never thought of that. But, yeah, no, I enjoyed it. Um, the robot was I, funny. I I enjoyed Death. Like, he's just, oh, yeah. I more of him. I love the idea that he was cheating at Hopscotch. <laughs> yeah. I think he was doing 40-minute bass solos. Yes. Well. There you go. And I enjoy the theremin. I don't know why I was really hoping the theremin was going to come back. Yeah. Not sure if playing the theremin by waving the whole theremin around is the right thing to do, though. <laughs> yeah. And, and good is... Uh, yeah, good. That, was my, so that was my number two. Kristen? Uh, mine was actually Death in 2020. It was a Netflix uh, mockumentary of people, like, literally just explaining the year from start to finish. Samuel L. Jackson played someone not unlike himself as an angry black office man, and it was fantastic. Yeah, I saw it. It was pretty great. Yeah. It was, it was hilarious. I loved it. I thought Hugh Grant was great. Yep. I loved the, like middle-class, like, British lady that's like, have you checked out this TV show, America? Like, <laughs> it's been crazy this season. <laughs> yeah. It took me a minute yeah. to realize that was Hugh Grant, too. Yes, oh my god. I feel like that lady is how the judge from The Good Place would have reacted to all of this, too. Yes. <laughs> Ten for me. Uh, first chance you can have to laugh at me tonight. Uh, the New Mutants. Oh, I don't laugh. I cry. Well, um, go on. Um, I'm not. I'm not that knowledgeable in the New Mutants history as probably you are. Um, but I, I like the the idea of of a horror movie uh, set in the uh, X Men universe. Um, I did like uh, the the last fight, which was like the last half an hour of the movie or so. Uh, I liked Ileana Rasputin, and I I liked when Lockheed finally showed up. I'm sorry if you that's a spoiler to you. Um, the, the effects were pretty good. Um, I mean, I can see why that movie was delayed a bunch of times. 
sad though that it is the last the last thing that is coming out from the Fox X Men universe. It kinda went out in a whimper, I guess. Well, I mean it was it was already sputtering with uh Dark Phoenix. Yeah. So better to rebuild it in a quiet little town in northeast United States. Maybe in some kind of X. Yes. <laughs> But it was all right. I I, uh, I didn't mind it. I probably won't watch it a second time, but uh, yeah. at the time I enjoyed it. All right, fair enough. Everybody needs some like mutiny angst every so often. That is right. All right, you want to go with your number nine? Uh, my number nine is Freaky. Oh, do tell. I've never heard of that one. So, Freaky is a Vince Vaughn movie. Okay. That is a serial killer movie mixed with Freaky Friday. Oh, jeez. Okay, you got me. Continue. So Vince Vaughn plays a serial killer who ha- finds, like, this ancient, like, MacGuffin dagger and stabs a cheerleader. And when they both wake up the next morning, they're in each other's bodies. Okay. So... Now the serial killer is in, like, the 16-year-old cheerleader's body, running around the school, killing all of, like, the teachers and bullies (laughs) that, like, pushed her around. Oh, wow. While the 16-year-old girl in Vince Vaughn's body is trying to convince her friends that she is really the 16-year-old girl. Oh, wow. So at one point, it's like Vince Vaughn doing, like, a cheer routine. Um... Oh, the mascot. Sorry, it was the mascot. She wasn't on the cheerleader squad. She was the school mascot, but she did the cheerleader, the mascot's dance as Vince Vaughn. And then it's this race to find this dagger again so that they can switch back before it's permanent. And this serial killer, um, does he, like, he's loving it because he gets to play up, like, this innocent little girl, like, oh, I couldn't possibly have killed him. Like, I'm so weak and frail. (laughs) So it was like, yeah, it was like Freaky Friday meets almost like Child's Play. Oh, wow. I I think I want to check this out. It sounds interesting. Yeah, it was it was just entertaining enough. Like, <laughs> was it a comedy or a serious movie? No, no, it was a comedy. Like, oh, okay. It was for the laughs. Like, oh, it's, cool. It's meant to be one of those, like, comedy slashers. Like, um... Uh, Happy Death Day or something from, like, last year. Oh, okay. So, yeah. No, it was just one of those, like, yeah, you know what? Every so often I want, like, a schmaltzy, like, campy horror film. I have I have the more serious horror film later on the list. Okay. Well, every year you make me interested in seeing a movie on your list, so I'm going to have to check this one out this year. Oh, there you go. All right, um, Kristen, how about your number nine? My number nine was Mulan. Okay. And really, it, if it weren't so pretty, it would have still been number ten. <laughs> okay. It was just, I, it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was trying to be, like, um, modernized kung fu movie, which I most people don't know about 
quality, but I'm a huge fan of their modern cinematic kung fu movie. Okay. And it had moments where it was trying to be it, but it wasn't. And it just, it was so bad. Like, there was trying to be a war movie. It was trying to be too many things at once, and it was none of them good. It was also trying to be a girl power movie. Yes. Oh, it was just, it was just bad. It was, like, <laughs> the cinematics of it, like, I can only describe it as Crouching Tiger meets 300 meets Power Rangers. Oh, wow. Like, it was just bad. But, I mean, kudos to them, they got Donnie Yen in there, and, like, Jet Li. Oh, I just wow. stop and go back, and I'm like, that fucking was Jet Li. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yep, so, bad. Bad Mulan, bad Disney. And, so I watched this with her, um, and I was mad because they had Jason Scotley. Right. As the villain. And you've got Jet Li as the fucking emperor. Right. And I'm like, this is a fucking crime if these two do not fight. And guess what? They didn't fight. It was a fucking crime. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was a crime to Mulan. Like, it was a crime to, like, Disney's original cinematic or original animated classic. Like, it was already a crime to that because it took away so much of what really made Mulan Mulan in the original. And just by Book of Bulgaria's magic, she's got chi instead. Of course. So it was already bad. And it just, it, it, I, I just, I can't say enough bad things about it. It was pretty. It was pretty. How do, why do I get the feeling that a bunch of times when we talk about our list this year, we're going to mention the word bad? No, <laughs> <laughs> no, everything from here on up by God is pretty good. Okay. Right? <laughs> I don't have bad things to say about the other movies. The other ones are like, hey, I watched it. It was okay. <laughs> it was one of ten movies I watched this year. <laughs> yeah, my next couple were, I watched it, they were all right. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> they were worth remembering. Oh, jeez. What right, about you? I will give you my number nine, and then we'll take our first break. Uh, so my number nine was, uh, get ready to make fun of me again, uh, Borat 2. Oh, God. Yeah, I, I had seen oh, the very first nice. Well, yeah, Sarah had never seen the first one. So I, I, I wasn't oh. sure if I was going to watch the second one or not. So we rewatched. I, I, I rewatched the first one. She saw it for the first time. Uh, we both kind of laughed at some of this stuff, so we we watched Borat too, like a couple days later, and there was some some good stuff in there. I like him making fun of pe- people and making fun of rednecks and making fun of Rudy Giuliani. So yes, well, I'll I, I'll put it up there at number nine. That movie is the one that has the like, um, America, you should have a dictator speech, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. That, I enjoy that. I, I thought that was well done. Um, yeah. Sasha Baron Cohen has good moments. Yes. Um, yeah, without, yeah. That, that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> okay. Let's take a break. When we come back, uh, we'll start with you at number eight. And right. uh, we'll be right back. Perhaps we'll play a commercial for uh, for, for Kristen's business. Ooh. All right. And now, a word from our sponsors. Kristen Hunter, also known as Kiki, is a Canadian artist specializing in polymer clay creations. Being a geek at heart, most of her work is nerd-themed. 
Kristen has several lines of geeky creations, including steampunk, comic, and video game-inspired work, as well as sushi-themed jewelry. Kristen is always excited to create the perfect custom piece for any theme or occasion. Please check out her website at kikiscustomcreations.com. It's going to be a beautiful wedding. Good day so far? Today, tomorrow, it's all the same. Yeah, what is going on? Hey, get out of the water, girl! Guess you followed me. It's one of those infinite time loop situations you might have heard about. That I might have heard about? Yeah. The second you fall asleep, it all just goes back to the start. I drove all the way back home to Austin, and I still woke up here. One time I smoked a bunch of crystal and made it all the way to Equatorial Guinea. It was a huge waste of time. All right. We're back to continue with our uh, top 10 of 2020 films. Cinematic uh, Tour de Force. Yeah. (laughs) 2020. Yeah. What a great year. Um. So we're gonna we're gonna go with you, sir, for uh, number eight. And what do you got for us? Number eight, I have the old guard. Okay, I'm not sure what that one is either. So this is the Charlize Theron. It was a Netflix movie. Okay. So what this is is she plays um, an immortal. Ooh, okay. She's been alive since like forever ago. They don't actually identify how long she's been alive. But she and, like, three of her friends are all immortal. And the idea is is that they've been running around for centuries doing good. All right. And so the idea of it is is that they, like, sort of connect with people. They'll rescue people. And people they rescued have gone on to do big things. Like this one kid they saved grew up to be, like, a Nobel science winner. Oh, cool. Um... And so the movie takes place at a time when they discover a new immortal has just been discovered, or just awoken. It's very Highlander to it. Okay. Um, The woman, like, is a Marine, and she gets her throat slit, but then she wakes up the next morning, and she has, like, no scars, and everybody around her is freaking out because they thought she was dead. Oh, wow. Um... And there's a pharmaceutical company that has found out about these immortals and wants to kidnap them so that they can experiment on them and figure out uh, what makes them immortal so that they can turn it into the next, like, uh, like medical revolution. Okay. It's very graphically violent. Like, there's a lot of good action scenes. Um, there's a lot of good fight choreography. It's just, they go a little bit too far sometimes with how graphic they make the violence. Mm-hmm. But it was very well done. I don't want to spoil anything about the movie because I thought it was it was really cool. Um, it was a neat premise. And, yeah. Oh, cool. I, I, it sounds like something I would check out, actually. Oh, Charlize Theron is definitely showing her chops as, like, Emerging action star. Yeah, like I realized that last night it was when I was walking through the room as you were watching. I'm like, when did she get typecast into like the salty badass bitch? Like, <laughs> not that that's a bad thing or anything, but it's kind of a Well, because she has like Mad Max Fury Road. She also had the one that was based on, I think it was like a fucking anime. Um. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. 
I yeah. can't remember the name of it, but yeah. So, uh, maybe it was like Attila Battle Angel or something? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, she's been doing these like late, like action movie things, and it's been fantastic. So, and it had almost started back with like, um, uh, what's the, the Will Smith superhero? Oh, uh, Hancock? Hancock. Yeah. That was it. Because she was, like, a badass in that one, too. So, good for her. She's doing good work. And, yeah, yeah no, the movie was well done. The bad guy was Dudley Dursley from Harry Potter. <laughs> okay. All right, Chris, and what was your number eight? My number eight was The Willoughby's. Okay. I have Old, so, you know, I end up watching cutie movies sometimes. That's about it. Um, it was a Netflix one. It's animated. It's about, like, four siblings whose parents completely ignore them. So they run away and make their own new family, and that's about it. Cool. It's uh, a cool like, It's a claymation style. Oh, okay. Like the, like it's computer animated claymation, but it reminds me very much of, like, the Wallace and Gromit. Oh, those were good, yeah. Because the filming style, I thought was really cool from what I had seen of it, was they, like, drop some frames every so often, so it looks like little stilted movement sometimes that you would get from Claymation. Mm-hmm. So, it, like, artistically, it was it was a really cool movie. I yeah, agree. It was very cool artistically, and it was cute. And, I mean, Hunter and I very much live a life of you make your own family, so it was kind of really a nice thing all together. So. Oh, okay. That sounds cool. Our daughter didn't ask us to immediately turn it off, so that's definitely worth points. There you go. <laughs> well, at my number eight, um, at the beginning of last year, I, I had told myself I was not going to see this movie, but then the year happened, and uh, it was uh, Bad Boys for Life. Oh! Well, here's the thing. Um, I loved the first one from back in the 90s. Uh, absolutely hated the second one. That's why I had no desire to see the third. Fair enough. And uh, the third turned out to actually be pretty decent. It wasn't three hours long like the second one, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, had some good twists on it. Um, uh, Will, like, spoiler alert, uh, Will Smith's adult son was one of the villains in this, which was kind of cool. Okay, then. And, uh, and Will Smith uh, almost died, so... Oh, you mean he didn't die? No. So they make a fourth one? Uh, they've actually, it, there's an end credit scene in it, so they have set up a fourth. Like, don't get me wrong, I love Will Smith, but dude, you're getting a little old for that shit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's Danny Clover now! Oh, man! <laughs> well, oh, it, it was oh. okay. That's another one of those, it was okay examples. Maybe, no, here's what we do, I'm sorry, I do we need to relaunch the Lead the Weapon series. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, here, they, there's rumors that are happening. Here's why I have a problem with that. Um, when the first one came out in 87, one, one of the first things in the movie is Danny Glover turns 50. So if, yep. he'd be pushing 90, like, going if, if they did another one now. Aren't they doing another one, though? There's rumors. There's rumors. I mean, I love that series, but it's, I don't think they should do another one. I mean, like, there's a certain point that if you were too old for this shit in the first one, yep. otherwise it's 
like, do you remember the movie The Other Guys? Yeah. Where you had, like, The Rock and Samuel L. Jackson get, like, killed off early on? <laughs> yeah. Why don't we do that with the new lethal weapon? Mel Gibson and Danny Glover in it for, like, the first ten minutes. They die. And now it can be, like, Sebastian Stan and Will Smith. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of what, did you ever see the movie from the 90s, Executive Decision? I have. I, I believe that. I believe they kill Steven Seagal off in the first five minutes, which is pretty they great. They sure do. <laughs> yeah. And he was such a huge part of the advertising, because they were trying to make it look like this was Seagal's next big action flick. Mm-hmm. And they did that with a couple movies that, that year, because I think that was the same year that Scream came out. Right. And they tried to make it look like it was Drew Barrymore's movie. Oh, right at the beginning. And then they also killed her off at the beginning. Yeah. So... Apparently, studios were really happy to kill off, like, really big names. Ah, <laughs> oh, the late 90s. That's a, okay, so that's a movie that you need to review on Curt Your Enthusiasm. It's come up. It's one we're thinking about. There you go. I want to be on your Captain Ron episode. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, where are we, number seven? Yeah, we're going into number seven. All right, go ahead, sir. Wow us. Wonder Woman 84. Uh, before we get to mine, that's also my number seven. Oh, nice! Yeah. Yeah, high five. <laughs> the only superhero movie that made it to my list, technically. Yeah. It was fine. It felt like two different writers wrote the movie. Yeah. I really liked the movie one of them was writing. Uh, my big problem with the movie, which a lot of people had, was the, the plot where Chris Chris Pine just kind of took over that guy's body. Yeah, I and, don't understand. And no one gave a shit. I don't understand why they had to do the take over the body thing. Like, nobody else's wish had to do, like, dumb hoops like that. Yeah. Like, I don't know why they couldn't have just been, okay, he's here, it's magic. That's what I thought they were going to do. Yeah. So, now, I will say, I immensely enjoyed all the scenes that Chris Pine was in. Yeah. He now cemented himself as my second favorite Chris, displaced from time as a World War veteran. <laughs> okay. Chris Evans being the other one. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. Um, no, like, I thought his, his scenes were really good. I enjoyed, like... Him walking around the Natural History Museum. I enjoyed the costume montage. Like, I thought he brought some good energy to the film that it needed. Yeah. Um, it was a I little long. Alone in this. I enjoyed the Invisible Jet scene. Me too. Uh, it was just like, it seemed like one of those movies where, like, it's one of those, like, monkey's paw stories. Mm. But it seemed like the, the consequence thing was only invented to make Wonder Woman weaker. Like, it didn't really seem like anybody else had to deal with consequences. Yeah. And I know there are people that are like, oh, but this person lost this. And it's like, yeah, but it didn't really come off as a consequence. Yeah. So, um, as one of my friends put it, um, 
Her lassoing is his favorite Spider-Man web-slinging scenes in a movie in a long time. <laughs> yeah. The flying scene, actually the scene where she discovers, like, where she starts flying, is amazing. I thought it was really well yeah. done, because I hated the, the Spider-Manning around with the lasso. I thought it was dumb. Yeah. So I was very happy that she started flying, yeah. and then very mad that she started lassoing on Thunderbolt, uh, Lightning Bolt. Yeah. But... The White House scene, also fantastic. Oh, yeah. Like, there were some really good moments in that movie. Like, it was, it was well done, but there was just a lot of stupid in there, too. Yeah. So, yeah. No, like, the, the half of the movie that Wonder Woman 84 was, I liked it. Yeah, it, it also... It, it seemed like uh, it took a long time for her to actually be Wonder Woman in that movie. And then the movie was a little too long. Yeah. Yeah, there was just some scenes that were, like, stretched out too long or didn't need to be there. Like, I felt like the whole finale with Cheetah was just dumb. Yeah. Like, I liked their confrontation at the White House. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a really good scene and a really good fight. Yeah. And then they just ruined it by, like, an in-the-dark CGI vest. Mm. Like, poorly lit and poorly choreographed and, like, oh, this armor withstood the assault of thousands of men and, nope, nope, one cat lady. And done. It was, I mean, like, kudos to, um, oh, fuck, who was it that played, um, uh, Cheetah. Fuck. Oh, Kristen Wiig. She did a very good job of playing Michelle Pfeiffer in Batman Returns. (laughs) Yes. That's true. But yeah, no, it was was a good movie. Yeah, and The Mandalorian was good in it. Yeah, Pedro Pascal, I I thought, did a really good job. It was good of him to see him in a different role. It's been... It would have been easy to see him get sort of typecast with The Mandalorian and Game of Thrones. Yeah. As, like, an action guy. So to see him as sort of, like, the more weaselly corporate political type was, was fun. Yeah, no, it was it was enjoyable. Uh, I, I didn't have too much of a problem with it, just other than it was a little too long. Yeah. Oh, that's a fair assessment. What did you think of the opening scene? I, like, I thought a lot of people, like, were hit or miss on that one. Um, the one on the island or the mall? Um, the all, yeah, the opening scene on the island was alright. Yeah, I, I don't know why people were knocking it, like, I thought it was well done. Yeah, it definitely was. Yeah, the mall was just weird. It didn't seem to fit her character. It was too goofy. Yeah. But, I mean, maybe it was just because it was the 80s and everything about the 80s is goofy. Hey, come on now. Dang, I was born in the 80s, so I'm well aware of the goofitude of the 80s. Yeah. And and you mean to say she worked in secret all those years? Well, yeah. I mean, people were idiots. <laughs> True. Okay. It's one of those, you just keep moving around museums and being like, I'm going to give you a reference from the last person that, <laughs> the last museum. 
Oh, wait, that reference was me. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it was it was all right. I was glad that they didn't feel the need to, like, shoehorn in any other, like, DC movies. True. So, like, now, that said, it could have... Would have been interesting if they had tried to find like um, I like the Marvel movies sometimes have like where Hulk was in Thor: Love and Thunder. Yeah. Like it would have been interesting to see what kind of character they would take from DC and try and fit into that. Like I don't know. If like if they're still intent on building a cinematic universe, you've got a lot of characters that you can use. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, there's going to be a Wonder Woman three, so. Well, I mean, at this exponential rate, what's 84 times 3? Uh, 252? So Wonder Woman 252, I look forward to. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kristen, what was your number 7? My number 7 was Onward. How was that? Because I haven't seen it yet. Um, it was really nice. It was very sweet and very moving and very personally touching, personally. Um... It was just really nice. Like, it was a sweet story about, you know, moving on from grief, and enjoyed it. Yeah, it's, uh, it happens to be, um, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here. It's my number six. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it's like a, a fantasy sort of Dungeons and Dragons-inspired movie, but, like, set in, like, the late 90s almost. Like, because there's, like, a... A manticore working for a TGI Fridays. And, like... <laughs> but, yeah, like Kristen said, it's a movie about, like, moving on from grief and sort of realizing the family you have is the family you, you wanted mm-hmm. the whole time. The main character sort of goes through the whole movie, like, wishing he had had more time with his dad, who died when he was very young. And he then goes through the movie and realizes that the real dad figure in his life was his older brother. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was really, it was well done. It was Pixar, so I mean, like, oh, of course. Pixar has a hard time screwing up in movies where there aren't cars. That's right. And it is one of two movies this year that had J- John Ratzenberger in it for it on my list this year. Oh, well, there you go. Oh, right on. <laughs> it was, it was funny. I, Chris Pratt was very Chris Pratt in it. <laughs> okay. So, if, if you're not the biggest Chris Pratt fan, it might wear on you a little bit. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Tom Holland plays the, the other main, and he does a very good job. Like, and it, it's neat to show a world that's like, oh, magic exists, but, like, we kind of pushed it aside because technology was easier. So, and unicorns eating out of the garbage is always a ridiculous and hilarious visual. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, Well, that was Hunter's number six, so Kristen, what was your number six? My number six was Over the Moon. Okay. Um, And it's kind of apparently, apparently, you know, grief and family and moving on from that kind of crap is apparently a theme this year on my list, because movies. Yeah. Uh, so Over the Moon, it's a young girl's journey of um, her father is remarrying, and it's kind of the journey she takes to 
move on through that to be able to accept her new family kind of thing. Um, but she does it through going through this, um, essentially she goes to the moon and meets the, like, Chinese goddess of the moon kind of thing, and the Chinese goddess is dealing with her own grief, and it's, it's really moving. Okay. I'm dumb, apparently. <laughs> I should show you how emotional and good this movie is. You guys are giving me some good ideas for stuff to watch on days off, so. I was going to say, like, this is, this is the kind of what I, I thought was going to be cool about this year is that there was, on the one hand, it seemed like so few movies came out, but at the same time, like, a lot of different movies came out, so it wasn't going to be like, oh, these were the ten blockbusters of the year, and we all have them on our list, but in different orders. Yeah. And, and Over the Moon, again, going into everything was really different, this was, the, it was really refreshing, because this was, um, it, it's a, essentially a retelling of Japanese lore, or Chinese lore, and I don't know how accurate it is, the lore, I didn't really research it, it but it felt like there was definitely a lot of honesty to it, to the way it really is. So it's kind of nice to see a not-white version of a movie. It's nice to see other cultures getting to have some really big spotlight and, and done in really well ways. Oh, cool. Yeah, that is good. Actually, these people didn't even believe in the movie, so uh, that was what I learned in this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't actually believe that I apologize to anybody in our audience. So what was your number six? All right, I'll give you my number six, and we'll do another commercial break. Uh, this one was uh, one of the DC animated movies. Okay. Uh, it was uh, Superman, this, uh, Superman of Tomorrow. Uh, it's, uh, it's a nice retelling of the origin. Uh, it's got some good voice work. Uh, Parasite is the main villain in it. Okay. Uh, Lobo shows up in it. And, uh, oh. and Martian Manhunter. Uh, kind of, it deals with Lois and Clark's early days at the Daily Planet as well. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, who was Superman in that one? The guy who was Superman, uh, it was one of the Glee kids. Yeah, I can't remember his name. Darren Chris, does that sound? Oh, okay. Weird. Yeah. All right. Not who I would have pictured as Superman, but sure. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was enjoyable. You'd probably you'd probably like it. No, that's cool. I mean, who doesn't enjoy a good Superman origin story? Exactly. Well, they don't really dwell on it a long time, but it's it's sort of the beginning of his career, and there's a little bit of flashbacks like to Smallville. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Okay. Cool. He gets the costume and everything in it. Does his mom make it for him? Like, uh, like, uh. Lois and Clark? Oh, she sure does. Oh, oh see, okay. I'm already on board. <laughs> Alright, let's take a, a quick break and then we'll get into our top five. Stay tuned, loyal listeners. There's more We Got the Geek still to come. Sketchbook Comics and Games is a store that has something awesome for everyone. In addition to selling comics, board games, and action figures, there are tables for open gaming. Wednesday nights, Sketchbook features game night starting at 6 p.m. Friday through Sunday, Sketchbook is the place to be for Magic the Gathering. The store is located at 224 Glenridge Avenue, Unit 9 in St. Catharines. Come on down for all your geek and comic book needs. <laughs> 